Lord Jesus, what a beautiful setting it is to worship and glorify your name. May we believe. Open our hearts to what you've done for us, why we celebrate, why you came, what you did while you were here, and what you're doing now as you are preparing a place for us establishing your kingdom that we will one day live within. Lord Jesus, be glorified this Christmas, however different or difficult it is. Lord Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, Merry Christmas. You know what I love? I love Christmas. That's a shocker that I said that, isn't it? Merry Christmas. I hope you do have a magical Christmas. What does that even mean? I don't know exactly. Are you having a good one so far? Let me ask you a question as we get started. Take a deep breath. Put a smile on your face, even though I can't see it. You at home, even though I can't see it, put a smile on your face, relax. I'm sure you are. (laughs) Think about this. What is your Christmas list. I mean that wish list. I mean that expectations list. What is your list? You know want to you want to know what's on mine? We all have a list, don't we? Maybe you wrote it down as a little kid and gave it to the parents, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe when, when you're up at night, you have this list going on in your head, like, if I had this, and if I had this, and if I had this, and if I had this. We all have a list. We probably have a list in our minds right now about something that's going to happen after this, like the list of things that need to be checked off so that this will go right, and this will go right, and this will go right, so that we can even have the Christmas we want. Tell you what's not on your list. A couple of years ago, my youngest son got a present for my oldest son. I thought it was so kind-hearted of him. He had never gotten Christmas gifts before for his brother and sister that I could remember, and I was so touched to see that he had neatly wrapped a gift and handed it to his brother. I thought, man, they've come so far. What a wonderful thing he has done. That is, until he opened it up, my oldest son that is, and revealed to all of us that he had received a lump of coal from his brother (laughs) for Christmas. He had gone into the backyard, grabbed some charcoal, wrapped it up all neat and nice, and given it to his brother. Isn't that nice? He didn't get that much in trouble for it. I actually thought it was pretty funny. I wasn't in on it. I had no idea. That's why it was such a surprise to me. You know, I wouldn't blame you if you felt like 2020 and Christmas in 2020 gave us a lump of coal for Christmas. I wouldn't blame you if you're feeling like something was missing from the Christmas we're celebrating. I mean, look around you just for a moment. Seriously. Something missing? Yeah. Something hoped for, something longed for, for sure. Yeah, I'm feeling that a bit too, even though I love Christmas. Because I have my list. 
And it's rather long. It's a long list. But what if I told you, what if I told you that you have everything that you need? I don't know what's on your list. But think about this question. And I want it just to sit with you while we go to Luke chapter 2 and while I preach through this text. I want it to sit with you in the quietness and the stillness of what we're experiencing here. It's this question. What if you were to get everything you ever wanted? I mean everything. What if you were to get everything? I'm going to go to Luke chapter 2. And I love reading through this scripture passage. Do you? Love reading through the scripture passage just like my grandfather would read it before we would open Christmas presents. Super, super long. (laughs) All, you know, 21 verses at least. I'm just going to go through 1 through 14. I'm going to read it like my father did too. It took a long time before we had opened presents and we'd suffer. And now I inflict the same suffering on my children. I'm going to do it to you right now. No, I'm only kidding, of course. Relax. And just listen for a moment because this is what it's all about, isn't it? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration while Quirinius was governor of Syria. I want you to pause here for a moment and consider why Luke wrote this part because he's dating it and he's telling us something. That this happened in a real time and in a real place, right? Syria, you can go there today. There's a lot of unrest. There was back then when Jesus was born. And we're going to make our way to Nazareth in the Galilee and and down to Bethlehem, which is in Judea, south of there, just south six miles from Jerusalem. These are real places you can go today. Places where there is a lot of unrest, where peace does not seem to exist. Verse 3, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Why? Because they were going to be taxed. Verse 4, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Interestingly enough, so was Mary. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Can you imagine that? And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Just a fancy word for rags. And laid him in a manger, likely a feeding trough that was stone in the cleft of a rock. Because there was no place for them in the inn. No place to lay their head. No safe place. No clean place. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields. It gets exciting now. Keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. I can't imagine what that would have looked like. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who's Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. So you know who you're looking for. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising and glorifying God like we're doing tonight. Singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Everything we need to know is in the proclamation of the angels right there. God's purpose in coming to earth. Christ's purpose in being here. Our purpose in life, his purpose for coming was glory to God and peace with us. How do we know this? How do we know this? Well, everywhere Jesus went, he was an example of this peace. He brought it everywhere he went, and he did it in everything that he did. I recall one story. It's one of my favorite. It was on the Sea of Galilee, where the disciples and Jesus were crossing the lake over to what is modern-day Syria, and they're crossing the lake, and like can happen on this particular lake or sea, these storms, hot winds come off the desert, they mix with that moisture, and just like that, these storms whip up, and it was one of those storms. I had a friend who was in one of those storms, and he told me that he thought that day that all 100 people on the boat were going to drown, but they made it to shore. Can't even imagine being on the sea uh, during that. I can't imagine the anxiety that would have filled their, their hearts. You know, the feeling, that fear. They were certainly not at peace. So they went to the one who was peace, Jesus. And he was, what was he doing? You know the story. He was sleeping in the stern of the boat. Why? Because he's at peace in his heart. He has nothing to fear. The Savior of the world never has anything to fear. And they go down there and they say to Jesus, and of course I'm paraphrasing, what are you doing? Do you not care that we die? And Jesus gets up, it's my favorite part, and it says he rebukes the wind and the waves. And they obey him. He brings peace to the earth. He brings peace in a place where there is hurricane and tornado. That's Jesus. And it says they looked in awe at Jesus. and said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him as they calmed down and the waters receded and they made it to shore. On another occasion, he brought peace to the lame and the sick. In fact, on many occasions he did this. Once by taking the dust of the earth and spitting in it and wiping on the eyes of a blind man who was blind from birth. And as he restored his sight, it says that Jesus also forgave his sins. And that's something. Not only did he bring peace or wholeness, not only did he restore that man's sight, that's peace. He also restored something inside See, that's what Jesus does. In fact, on one occasion, he restored the soul of a man who was born paralyzed. And I bring up this particular time because it blows me away what happened. Jesus is teaching at a house. Maybe you remember this. 
And it says, the friends of this man who is paralyzed carried him on his cot, on his bed to Jesus. But they couldn't get in the house because there's too many people around him. Because people knew he healed. And people knew he had this wisdom. And they wanted to hear his teaching. So they couldn't get to Jesus. So what did they do? They went up to the top of the roof. And of course, you understand. These were thatched roofs in the day. So they peeled away the thatch and they lowered the man to Jesus. And right before Jesus, it says he stood over him and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And everyone went, and do this with me. <gasps> Please, come on. Don't worry, not that many people hear you except here on the internet. Um, Why did they gasp? Because they thought he was going to heal his legs, his, his spine, right? And then the religious leaders, they got all worked up because they were like, wait a second, what did, what, what did you just say? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus said, touche. <laughs> Jesus said, who do you think I am? Paraphrasing. Who was this man? Who was this man that the earth obeyed and, and bodies were restored and souls were healed? Oh, this was only a foretaste of what was to come because what was to come was that he took upon himself the sins of all of the world. And it's what we're celebrating tonight. Yes, we're celebrating the birth, but more than that, we're celebrating what Jesus completed, the victory he won on the cross and the resurrection that he proclaimed to the world. It's healing, it's victory, it's forgiveness, it's eternal and lasting peace. Remember what he said to his disciples. Before he went to the cross, before he rose again, and before he went back to heaven. Why? To prepare a place for a kingdom to come, one that we will experience one day. He said this in John 14, 27. I am leaving you, with a gift. I guess it's to say that I'm leaving physically right now, but I'm not really leaving you alone. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. How? And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Why? Because he was giving his spirit. In fact, he was offering it for us. To have within us. Notice how personal it is. Peace for our hearts. It's not just general. It's not just generic. It's not just political. We want peace on earth. Sure. We want unity. Yes, the world is marching for racial and gender equality and human rights and all of these things. And by their own efforts... The world can offer some peace. Some security. I mean, I'm glad we have banks and hospitals and insurance. Are you? I'm glad we have locks on our doors. There are some securities that this world can afford us, yes. But what happens when it's taken away? Or what happens if we go another year and things don't get back to normal. <gasps> what happens 
if there is no unity in the streets? What happens if you never get what you want to experience or hope will offer you security? What happens if you're the type of person who struggles to set boundaries in your life or you spend more than you make or you don't like who you are? You're insecure and anxiety. This is opposite of peace. Here established that in the children's sermon. Anxiety, it's, a, it's the opposite of peace. If it tells us anything about what peace actually is, looking at the opposite helps. If the world's peace could fulfill what is promised, then why all the worry and fear? Or, or why do we put up facades and act like we have it all together when we don't inside? See, the world's peace is kind of like food to our bodies. I don't know if you're going to do what we're going to do following the service. I don't know what you're doing at home. I hope you haven't already started eating. And, but if you have, anyway, just keep listening. But the world's peace is like food to the body. We're going to have mashed potatoes and gravy and meatballs and green beans. And what else, honey? Okay, fine. And it's going to be great. I'm going to get full. In fact, I'm going to be very satisfied. Believe me. I already taste tested them. But guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to be hungry again. It's not like when the kids sit down at the table, we're like, what are you doing here? We fed you yesterday. No, we'll be hungry again. That's the peace the world offers us. It's like an illustration in itself. What we're adding to our lives will not complete us, even though we add lots of things to our lives, even though we make long lists, even though we hope securities and entertainment and travel and relationships will fulfill us. In fact, we really do, by our behavior, believe it because it's how we act. We think that the more we have or the more we can experience or the more that we get that's on the list will make us the complete person we want to be. If, if I just got that wish list and checked it off, then I'll be that whole person that, that I've always wanted to be. It's all of us. See, we know that the world's peace is like food to the body. It's incomplete because we're experiencing it here right now. It's why when we get what we want, we still feel like we're missing something. Never had that feeling. It was a couple of weeks ago, or a month ago or so, that my wife and I were on a trip to Michigan. We were bringing a little baby back to her mom, and it was a nine-hour drive. This is kind of unusual for us, but anyway, nine-hour drive, so we had to stay at a hotel. So we wake up the next morning, we get the baby ready, and, and we get all our stuff, and we check out of the hotel, and, and then we're making our way out to the car, and it was raining, so I was like, oh, I better get the key before we get out to the car. Where is the key? I know I put it in this pocket because I always keep it in the pocket, but it's not there, and that feeling... Missing something, where is that key? I'm nine hours away from home, right? Where is that key? So I check the coat pocket, not in there. I say, 
Honey, check your purse. It's not in there. Well, maybe the baby ate it. I don't know. We couldn't find the key. We had checked out of the room. We got another key or a room key, went back up, looked for that. No key. Now, just in case you're wondering how I made it home. <laughs> someone packed a spare key. <laughs> we never do that. But someone packed a spare key. But the point is this. You know what I'm talking about. You know that feeling of something missing. It's a feeling of fear. It's a, it's a feeling of worry. What happens when that feeling hits, what happens when you're missing something you can't get back? What happens when you can't find it? Oh, the world can offer some peace of mind, but not wholeness. We know this in our hearts, but Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace. Not as the world gives. Think about that. My peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. This is a different kind of peace. Here the angels are proclaiming in our story in Luke 2. A peace that refers to completeness of blessing and favor for which Jesus the Savior, this baby, brought to this earth. To understand this peace we need to know that it directly relates to a term that we have coined and we so often overlook but I'm going to say it again. Salvation. Salvation, if there's one word you take tonight with you home, it's salvation that Jesus offers something lasting and eternal in what Jesus offers. You cannot lose or falls out of your pocket. Amen. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Ever wondered what that part means? With whom he is pleased? Well, it's the New Testament concept that the incarnation brought healing and restoration to our relationship with God. If that went over your head, I'm going to explain that for a long time now. Say thank you. Why did God have to leave his throne and come to earth? I've been asked that question before. Why the story? Why this? Why Christmas? Well, the answer is this, to complete what was relationally separated. I mean, this is what the Bible is about. Our brokenness and sin separated us from a heavenly father. So Christmas is all about that restoration plan being played out before our eyes. Being played out before the eyes of mankind. Why did God have to come to this earth? The same reason that if we want to restore relationship, we have to go to the person we hurt and ask for forgiveness. It starts with restored relationship, but first and foremost with God. Romans 5.1, love this verse. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the good news of great joy for all people. But let me tell you, not all people will accept it. Not all people will surrender. Not all people will even give it any thought. Scary. It was that way in the garden. When peace was broken in the Garden of Eden, think back. To the very beginning, Adam and Eve ran and hid from God. 
they separated. They ran and hid. And yet God pursued them. In fact, it was his very voice that caused them to run and hide. Despite their disobedience, God came to find them. That's the story of the incarnation. That's what kind of love God has for us. We hide because of shame. Yes, we do. But God seeks us out. He meets us here. He comes to us. We avoid. He pursues our loving Heavenly Father runs to us just like the father in the prodigal son story, just like Jesus in the room with his disciples, just like Jesus as he came to the shoreline to call disciples to himself. He comes to you even tonight. That's good news of great joy. No matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you think, that's good news of great joy. The victory Jesus accomplished through the cross and by the resurrection offers true peace. And what that means is restored relationship within. If you want peace in the world, you need to have peace within family and community and in nation. If, if you want that, you need peace within your own heart. I mean, I will not have peace with my neighbor until I have peace within my own heart because there is a war within. Before it's on the outside, you know this, before I argue, before I say something I didn't want to say, there's something on the inside ranting. Where does frustration come for, come from? Why, why do we take sides? Why do we feel we have to take sides? Where does frustration come from? It's something missing. What is anxiety? What is fear? What is apprehension? It's something missing within. And yet Jesus reminds us, church, hang in there a little bit longer. What Jesus reminds us is, I am leaving you with a gift. I'm leaving you with my spirit. In fact, what I'm going to do is give you my spirit. Peace of mind and heart will follow because the peace I give is not like what the world gives. Don't compare it. It's not what the world gives you. And I tell you what, that's the peace that I want. Man, that's peace I want. It's not circumstantial. It's a gift received in the middle of the mess, sure. Oh, in this world, we will have trouble. Jesus told us that. But the peace he offers cannot be taken away by the world. Think about it. It's back to that question that I asked you. Before the last point, back to that question. What if you got everything you ever wanted? Materially, what if you got your list? Would it complete you? Would it make you whole? Would it offer to you what Jesus can offer you? I would hate to close without bringing up one more thing, because relationally speaking, 
what Jesus offers is restored relationship with God and in return, restored relationship within. And ultimately, this also includes, of course, relationship with each other. What would our relationships be like if we didn't have tension within us? What are they like when we are at peace in our hearts? Ephesians 2.14 reminds us, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, that's his chosen people and the rest of the world, into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. It was the only way that it could be done. The good news of great joy for all people is right here. The, the wall has been broken down. The separation has been brought back together. The hostility has been healed. It's such great news. It's such a great promise. And yet I have to bring up, why are we not experiencing it on this earth and why are we not experiencing it always in our lives? Well, it's a fair question. It's an important question. It's one the world is longing for. Why don't people get along? Why is there division and tension? And why are all our pursuits in vain? It's an important question that has to be answered. And yet, it's the gospel that shows us very clearly what it is. It's all about the how. What do I mean by that? See, we know, at least those of us who know God's word, we know the who, what, why, and when of the Christmas story. But what about the how? Most of us, when we're asked the question, how do we go about getting what we hope for? How do we get peace with God in our hearts and with each other? What do I do and how do I do it? Is the question that we wrestle with every single day. And most will answer in their minds something like this. I'll try harder. I'll work at it. I'll be a better person. I'll be good to my parents because then I will get what I want. I will earn it. I will work very hard and that's a good thing. But I'll work very hard and I will earn it. I'll pray more. I'll read more. If I just know more, I'll raise awareness. My voice will be heard. I'll stop doing all those things that I'm doing. And then I will get peace. But that whole thinking is missing the very point. 
the very point that Jesus is our peace. What does this mean? Jesus is our wholeness. He is the complete you you hope to be. He is the perfect and complete person who offers true life. He took our place. He took our punishment. The good news of great joy is that he suffered so that we could live. He crucified anxiety and fear and all those things opposite of peace so that we could be at peace. Peace with him. What does that mean? What does it mean that I can't try harder to receive it? What does it mean that what I do is never good enough? What does it mean that Jesus is our peace? I don't know about you, but Christmas isn't always the most peaceful time of year. It's a great thing to celebrate, but with it comes lists, long lists, with expectations and pressures. It's got to be the right gift. It's got to be the right food. It's got to follow this. We can't forget that. If we don't sing this, if we don't do that, if this isn't, you see where I'm going. We're always striving. And yet the key is really what Jesus said to his disciples and all those who would follow him. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, then take up your cross. Now that doesn't sound very peaceful, I know. But the gospel reveals what's really there. If you want to come after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. You must let go of your own striving. You must let go of your list you need to give it to God. I mean, yes, you'll have to deal with it. But you got to let it go to him. You got to surrender your heart. You've got to realize that what Jesus offers you is something eternal and lasting. I'm going to call the worship team back up and we're going to close with this song. But before we close, I want us to just to do one thing. And that is bow our heads and take a minute, a quiet moment, to give God our list. Take a minute to pray and release to God what it is that keeps us from experiencing that which gives us peace. So would you do that with me now? Just close your eyes for a moment and utilize this time, both here at home. Take the time to give God your list. And in the quietness and the surrender, I just pray that you would let go whatever comes next just for a moment and give the one who calmed the seas and healed the blind 
caused those who couldn't walk from birth to get up and run. And forgave sins. Something we can't reach, something we can't get, something that we can't take away. Lord Jesus, Christmas is about your restoration plan. And it begins with surrender. satisfy but we don't need it to we just need you true surrender is allowing the savior to be the savior Accepting the forgiveness that you offer. Living out this example of forgiveness in our lives. What a gift. A gift we don't have to strive for. Just a free gift. Forgiveness. Spirit of God, come and do that work in our hearts.